Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and it's early. It is 6.30 in the morning, and it's still dark out on a Tuesday, but I'm so thrilled to have our good friend Monica Genta back on the podcast. Monica, what's going on? Man, I am, I love the early morning. My most productive hours are from like 6.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., so I figure like, why not get on and crush it and have a great conversation yeah. To just catapult the day. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit ago. Um, you were on our podcast, I don't know, six, seven, I could look it up, six, seven months ago, but like kind of yeah. in the early stages of when we were interviewing people and it was so fun. And then, um, you know, we've gotten to know you and got to hang out with you. So uh, what's been going on since we saw you in Vegas, which I guess has now been like three months. Which yeah. So that was in July as I, as I kind of look um so look at my schedule here. It has been crazy. I've been in South Carolina, Michigan, Mississippi, all over Illinois, Texas, Ohio. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's been insane um, in a really, really good way. Um, just the, the job shift that I had um, and, and was blessed uh, that my school district was on board with to, to kind of move from teaching students for the past 10 years and this year teaching teachers and having the opportunity to travel all over the U.S. to, to lead professional development has been one exciting adventure and um, it's really starting to heat up. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so you're just on, if I remember right, you're on a leave of absence. Like, so next, yeah. next year you have a job to go back to if you want to take right. it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm on a, basically it's an unpaid, it's an unpaid leave of absence. Some people call it a sabbatical, but um, yeah, next year I'll be back in my school district and um, don't know what job I will have. That was kind of the, the interesting gamble. Um, it is unlikely that I will get the classroom that I know and love and my team who I've grown so close with, but at the same time, I, I think that the impact um, and the number of teachers who I'm getting to work with this year, that, that risk was totally, um, it was totally worth the reward that is happening in schools right now. So it was something I wanted to do and a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I, it, this is just an off the top of my head question that I think is interesting. So how do you calculate the impact of working with teachers versus working with students because we've tried to kind of quantify it at times um, whether it's a justification for ourselves or a justification for you know us for what we're doing but how, how do you quantify the difference in that impact yeah so I actually um, I actually keep a estimated running total so like for instance, um, I was in Texas last week and there were about 350 teachers there. And I think, well, those 350 teachers have a minimum of 25 kids each if they're teaching elementary. But if they're teaching middle school and high school, we're talking at least 130, sometimes more than that. And so in my head, I truly keep track of like the number of students that I have on my caseload, zero this year. But the number of students who are on the teacher's caseloads that I am impacting, hopefully super substantial. And so, you know, I get really, I get really geeked out when, you know, I'm keynoting a conference and they're like, there'll be 1,000 teachers. And I'm like, 1,000 teachers? 
we're talking like a hundred thousand students. This is amazing. So, you know, it's, it's, and I don't think it's something that we're just justifying in our head. I think teachers want to make an impact. And so we're just calculating that impact using a different equation. Do you, maybe this is just an intrinsic fear that I have that someday I'll be asked it, but do people ever say to you like, you shouldn't be out doing what you're doing because you're not actually in the classroom right now. I know you're only a few months removed from being in the classroom, but I think my deep Mm -hmm. fear is at some point someone's going to be like, well, what do you know? You're not even in a classroom right now. So have you run into any of that or do you have that fear? Yeah, I think for, for this year, I, I don't have that fear. I don't because I feel like the stories and the strategies and just the connections that I can make with teachers right now are completely relevant. Like it is, it is based off of the current student population. Um, At the same time, you know, as I go around, I've been working with people who've been out of the classroom for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years. And so I question that too, but then I hear them speak and I, I listen to what they've got. And I think, yeah, education's evolving. But the, the cornerstones and the platform of education isn't changing that much. So I think that if, if, a, if a speaker or an education leader is passionate about what they do, they are constantly learning what's going on in education, and they are exposing themselves to what is relevant and what is now, and they are using that to provide professional development. So I don't think it's so much how many years you've been out of the classroom. I think it's how many minutes that person actually put in to create relevant content for the now of education. That's good. I think it's kind of, I think it's probably the same as like being a teacher who's been in the classroom for 30 years Are what they is like what they're doing still relevant. Are they still using the same handouts that were made on a typewriter? Like when they used to be using the overhead projector. Exactly. And like they got out the whiteouts to edit it because they don't have a digital copy. Like, is that not the exact same thing? So I think it's all about the individual, not about the actual, like, what, well, what were you doing last year? So, right. So on, on, the, on the topic of individual, cause that's what we want to talk about today was, was <clears throat> meaningful and, and personalized PD. So, so starting with that term meaningful PD, um, in your experience, How do you define that? Yeah, it's interesting how I got into this. Um, And I don't, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast last time, but um, so I got into offering professional development because I went to the worst professional development of my life. Uh Like it was horrible. And I thought this is, this is not meaningful. This is not going to help me when I get back to my classroom tomorrow. Like, I think when you leave meaningful PD, you walk out and you think like, yes, I can use this stuff in my classroom. I'm excited to get back and use this. When I got back from my PD, I was psyched to get back to my students because what I had been doing for the past two days of this conference was mind-numbing. So I think for me, like I pride myself on providing meaningful professional development So that when teachers leave, they can genuinely say that was some of the best professional development of my life. And there are so many things that I can take to my classroom tomorrow and implement and make an impact. 
that's what meaningful PD is for me. And I think teachers are craving that right now. So I get really jazzed about offering that to people in schools and communities. Do you think that's your, your experience is sort of where the real push for teacher-driven, teacher-led professional developments has come from? Because I know, I mean, when I started in 2009, I felt like I went to professional development and it was never, it didn't ever seem to really be like from a teacher like a practicing yeah. teacher who had this had similar experiences to me. So do you think that's kind of where this, you know, whether all these conferences that are now seem like it's primarily just teachers who are presenting? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think that, I think that there's been a big shift in that. I totally agree. Um, but I still, it still goes back to meaningful PD you have to have relevant content. You also have to have some sort of like, you've got to captivate your audience. And so I think it's hard because uh, a lot of teachers are wanting to provide the content. But they don't have the confidence to actually go and speak with people, which I mean, that that's totally okay. But I think like you got to find just this really interesting, unique balance of my content rocks. I can captivate an off audience. I'm confident. And my stuff is good, right? And it's not just the person standing up there and they're just funny or they're just like, um, they've got really good research, but can they bundle that so that the audience leaves and thinks like, oh my gosh, I want to share that with other people. That's mm -hmm. how memorable it was. You know, I had, I had someone, uh, Whitney Ramirez on the podcast last week. Yeah. Who happened, happened to be in that same session I was in with you. And she remembered uh -huh. a certain particular moment from that session that involved yes. me and you. And okay, I think that's good. I'm super curious what moment was. I saw her podcast episode was released, but I haven't listened to it yet. What was it the moment? Was the moment where you, I, we were in that session and you asked, you had to ask somebody what it meant to make it rain. And yes. Because okay. we were friends. And then I told uh -huh. you what it was, and then you acted all like spooked out, like that's no, that's not actually me. <laughs> no, I totally remember that moment. Yes. And then that was. Mm -hmm. And then I had a bunch of people afterwards coming up to ask me if I was okay because you were like weirded out. You thought I was like gonna be, uh, or at least <laughs> or, like everybody knew by the end of the day. So. See, but it was such that's a, a memorable moment right there. I love it. And so if people are still talking about it six months later, that's a good sign. And know that I wouldn't pull that on everyone, but I knew I could pull it on you. Yeah. So. Oh, but you were so deadpan. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh no, I said something. Uh -huh. It was super funny, but um, <laughs> you know, on, on that line of, of meaningful PD, you also talk a lot about personalized PD. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested in, in how you view that term too. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I think there's a couple different routes that you can go with that term. Um, one thing that I've realized over time, and it's probably because I like, I'm getting older and like your priority shift as a first year teacher, you have so much time to dedicate to this profession, right? Like you're not completely grounded yet. Maybe you haven't started a family and this kind of thing. So like, I remember in my first few years teaching, like I pour my life into it. And not that I still don't, it's just different, right? Like priorities start to shift a little bit. 
And so what I have found is that now more than ever, teachers are busier than they ever have been. And so to get meaningful PD, it also needs to be personalized because you can hear like a really good session or go to a really good conference and enjoy it, but it doesn't mean it was the PD that you actually needed, right? And so one thing that I'm trying to do this year as I'm on this like sabbatical journey is kind of disrupt what typical PD is, not just in the content, but also in the context of when it is happening. So, um, and I did a lot of like surveying and I did a lot of research on this. And what I found was that teachers wanted flexibility in how they could earn PD credits and how they could experience it, but they didn't want to lose the value. And I think there's a bajillion great webinars out there, but I think a lot of those you're missing like personal connection with it because it's like a recorded video and that's kind of it. You watch it and you get your hour of PD and then it's done. Like I wanted to take the concept of live professional development that has meaningful content, but then also pair that with the flexibility of knowing that teachers want to be able to log in and do more like a self-paced study but then also have the support that they need and to be able to reach out. Almost, almost like an online course when we're in college, but for teachers, and it's not that you're enrolled in some sort of master's program, you're just online getting PD. And so um, I did this back in September. I created my first, um, I, called it a, I called it a 21 day challenge because that's truly what it was. It's not a course. It's not, um, it's not a conference. It was a 21-day online challenge where teachers could log in on Facebook. Oh, by the way, this was all happening on Facebook because I knew I wanted to use a platform that teachers were comfortable and confident in, mm -hmm. and social media is a thing. So um, I did this on Facebook, and it was neat because I thought I was going to get a handful of Illinois teachers to do this. I got 154 teachers from all over the United States wow. and we did professional development together for 21 days and it was probably the most meaningful PD that I have ever led because I had 154 people with varying opinions and varying ideas and various questions but we were all doing it together and it was fantastic. So. It was personalized because they got to ask me questions and I could kind of like coach them along in that and they were getting their PD hours and they could do it in their pajamas. Like how great is that? They could come home, put on their pajamas. I don't know. Maybe they poured a glass of wine and they did PD on a personalized level and it was fantastic. So, so when you say personalized, it's more of it's not only just like content that's relevant, but having the personal connection to you, you feel like, because I, yeah. I, I think that's, it's sort of like for me when you had that close, like you said, when I had a really close teaching team, mm -hmm. like we were very in sync with, with that development. But I'm interested, you, you mentioned too, do you find that, you know, administrations and districts are, are more districts moving towards giving credit for things like your 21 day challenge or, or that stuff. Because I, I felt like, especially when I was in Texas, I was very kind of pigeonholed into what was considered mm -hmm. um, professional development. 
Yeah. And I think, um, I think administrators love giving PD where they can because they understand the struggle of teachers trying to get, you know, sometimes 120 hours within a couple of years. And I think it's different from state to state. But one of the things that I did with that 21 day challenge was I partnered with the Illinois State Board of Education. And so they were the ones who were actually distributing the professional development credit hours. So it wasn't like the, the principal could say like, well, I can't give you credit for it. I was already doing an accredited like PD service. So they were able to get those, those hours. And I think it's just using like creativity. Um, oftentimes, you know, schools will contact me and say that they want to do a workshop or they want to do this or they want to do a book study with me. Is it possible to get credit hours for it? And the answer is always yes. There, there are. And like, I love to work with people because I get that we should be wanting to do meaningful PD to impact students. But the flip side of that is we still have professional responsibilities and we still have to get those credit hours. So we might as well experience the perk of awesome PD, but also being able to check that box that said like, yeah, and I also got 10 credit hours for it, and it was amazing. You know, and that just makes me think too, because through our nonprofit, we're, we're licensed in Texas to give credit hours. So when we do, um, we're presenting at uh, the AIE conference next month. Yeah. So whatever we would do, we could give credit hours for that or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I'd be interested if they would, I wonder if the teachers could get credit for listening to our podcast. So that is something that I've realized is, um, kind of district by district. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of depends on what your state says and then next, like what your education association actually allows. So sure. I think. Um, there are some in my first few years teaching we got we got credit for watching webinars We got credit for reading professional books. We had to do some work on the back end for like a proof of completion But there there are ways to make that happen for sure This is kind of a sidebar question, but I'm interested You know you've traveled a ton the last couple of years and especially this year's yeah are teachers in South Carolina, Michigan, Mississippi, Texas, Wisconsin are they pretty much going through the same thing everywhere is or yeah yeah it is what I've noticed is teachers are experiencing the same struggles but the lens that they're seeing it through is slightly different so um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting so uh, like I think some of it has to do with the socioeconomic status of the area that you're working in but let me just give you an example I was working um, just even in my own state, so in Illinois, working with schools who are having a hard time because students are um, struggling from a social and emotional standpoint because they don't have a trusted adult. And so really truly like teachers are the model of excellence from an adult standpoint for kids. Like we are the trusted adult in their life, period. And that's tough right. from a social and emotional learning standpoint. So then I can drive about three hours up north and if school has identified the number one need for my students is social and emotional support. And so I started asking about the family dynamic, like, okay, like are, are there parents in the household? What's, what's the money situation? And they're like, oh yeah, it's a two parent household and, and they're doing fine social and emotional, or uh, financially, but 
these parents are stifling their creativity and stifling their identity because they are so involved that the kids can't really truly expose who they are. And so that's causing social emotional distress. And you think like no stinking way. This is the exact same problem, just from two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and that's just one small example. You'll see the same thing if you look at student engagement. You'll look at the same thing if you look at student motivation. I think that the same problems exist. It's just different schools are struggling with it because of different details. Do you think right now that, or would you say right now that social, like that social and emotional piece is what most students in this country are lacking for whatever reason? I mean, is, is that where the biggest gap is and why kids don't learn? I think, I think that's part of it. I think that's half of it. I think the other half is God love teachers. They don't, they don't necessarily know how they can make that connection and how they can bridge that. Right. That is not something that you know, we're professionally trained to do. Sure. It's like a life skill to build relationships with people is a life skill. But at the same time, I think we have to have like the tools to, figure out, okay, so if a student is feeling this, what can we do to actually support them from an academic and from a relational standpoint? Um, and that's part of the reason truly why I wrote um, the book that it's gonna come out in this, this spring. It's about building ridiculously strong relationships with both students and staff. I think we know that relationships are important with students, but if we're not building those really strong relationships with staff, then it's really not gonna carry over. And so I think like we need to look at social and emotional learning from a building level, not from a student level. Like this is something that we need to be like, not to quote high school musical, but we need to all be in this together. And I think that that's the component that sometimes people are missing. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, Wilkie, um, you know, went back to the classroom for the first time in three years and, you know, adjusting to the culture in a new school. But I, I think, you know, cause I've been in schools where that culture was really good and there was a super supportive mm -hmm. staff and we were all really close and I've been, in places where it was sort of an every person for themselves. Yeah. You know, and, and if you have teachers who are kind of doing the every person for themselves, that's going to filter down to kids. But I do also, I'm interested, you know, you said teachers developing themselves and in those relationships. Do you, how much of personalized uh, uh, professional development is, you know, how much personal development do you think, teachers need do you think that's something that is missing like really just focusing like this is who I am as a person this is where yeah. I need to grow or or is that not something that's really talked about no I think that's a really good point like you know I don't know how we're supposed to get professionally developed if we aren't personally growing as an individual right and I think that not, not to say that like in order for meaningful PD to happen that you have to have it all together in your personal life, but I think it sure, certainly helps, right? If we're talking about the mental health piece and like just making sure that people are living their best life, I think that whatever is important to them, like they have to spend time on that. So whether it's their family, 
whether it's diet and exercise, whether it's like some sort of faith component, like those are things that teachers have to tap into because if you're not living your best self for yourself, you are not going to be your best for your students. And I think we see that time and time again. And I think unfortunately that lack of personal growth as an individual definitely contributes to the teacher retention rate that we are seeing, right? right. Like, it's never about like, I left my job because it was too hard. There's always something deeper than that. What made it so hard? Was it because some sort of personal issue that's happening? And I think that's where we have to support each other. Yeah. Like staff needs to know what's going on into each other's lives. Like we have to let each other in. So when we are having that bad day that has nothing to do with being in our classroom, it's a bad day because of some sort of personal issue. You've got people who are loving on you and surrounding you and saying like, Hey, we got you. You can still do this. Right. You know, and, and I can look back to my time and, and I used to think like I was feeling really good. The times when I was feeling really good about myself personally was when I was teaching really well, but mm -hmm. it was backwards. Like the times when I felt super good about myself, that was when my teaching was the best, when I was surrounding myself with really good people. And I can look back to the times where I wasn't who I wanted to be. I, I didn't handle things the way I should have as a teacher because I didn't, I didn't feel good about myself. And I was, you know, we had Gary Gray on, we talked to him the other night and we were talking about identity and I was lost in my identity as a person. So I kind of... Mm -hmm let myself kind of be whoever I wanted to be as a teacher. And I think that really, it, it, it definitely had a negative impact on a lot of those student relationships that I had. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that it is, it is a full circle kind of thing. Like in order to give the best love to our kids, we first have to love ourselves wholeheartedly. So do you have any advice for, helping teachers figure out what they need in terms of meaning, meaningful personal or professional development? Yeah. So I think that there's kind of two different routes that people go with this. I think that people will find what they are worst at, and then they want to get a little bit better at that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's kind of a natural like thing. Like, tell me what I'm worst at, and then I will try to get a little bit better. But what I love doing with schools is I love coming in and saying, all right, what are you struggling with? And I want to I wanna hook them up with some strategies with that. But I want to know what does your school do so well? And right. let me help you in that area. And let's get really, 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 really good at that. Like, let's have that be our thing. And I think the same right. thing can be applied to personal professional development, like meaningful personal PD is yeah we don't want to like suck in some areas like let's get a little bit better there but then let's just capitalize on what you do really well if classroom management is your jam like let's make sure that your class is just crushing it in that area if um if like special ed is your thing like let's take that and let's make that even greater because then what happens is the confidence builds and those people who are amazing at classroom management can literally teach other people who are struggling in that.
And the people who are amazing in special ed can then teach that. And the people who are amazing at engagement can teach that. So mm. I, I like to err on the side of like, I don't want to make weaknesses a little bit better. I want to amplify right. strengths. Right. Right. I, and I'm, we're, we're big believers on that, that you can, there's more to gain by getting really good in one area than there is mm -hmm. to gain by getting a little bit better at something that's not natural to you. So that, well, yeah. that's a good point. So 2019 is coming up. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on social media at Monica Genta ED. So Monica Genta Ed. And then on my website, monicagenta.com, um, I've got links to my blog and my vlog and books. And I love connecting with people. I was just, I was talking to um, some people yesterday about like people often say like, connect with me on social media. And I think people sometimes still hesitate to do that. Like mm -hmm. for real. I think that the best way that we can learn and grow is to develop personal relationships. And I really think that that can happen even on social media. Like that's how you and I got connected. That's how all the people who I interview on my blog got connected. Like social media is super powerful and it can be super meaningful. So let's hang out. Let's talk. All right. So, so talk a little bit because the newest thing with you is that vlog. So what's going on with your vlog? So the vlog is to kind of capitalize on the fact that um, it kind of goes back to that like uh, personalized PD. So in traveling the country and like just talking to teachers, like sitting down and talking to teachers, something that they love is um, quick, like quick tips. Like I might not have yeah. time um, to listen to a 40 minute podcast during lunch, they listen to their podcast like on the car and in their commute, but I got 10 minutes at lunch or I've got 10 minutes after like I give my kids baths. Like I've got a short time frame right. and there are things that fulfill the needs for longer time frames. But, like what can you give me in 10 minutes? Right. And so I wanted to do that in video format because that comes yeah. back to that personal thing. I think people like just feeling that connection and energy of like watching people communicate because it feels really relatable. So the vlog is all about getting teachers to share two tips in under 10 minutes. And then um, they actually watch our conversation unfold. It's like FaceTime and a friend. I literally record FaceTime calls and that's it. Right. And it's, right. I don't edit them and I don't, I don't have like spiffy little things happening during it. It's 10 minutes. And if somebody drops the phone, then they drop the phone. If somebody cusses in the middle of it, guess what? We're keeping that in there. It's just mm -hmm. super authentic and it's two tips on various topics. Awesome. And uh, Facebook, YouTube, where can people find it? Yeah. So that um, I upload it every week to um, my Facebook page. And then it's also um, on my website on monicagenta.com slash blog. Um, and yeah, so I would love people to check that out and just, you know, experience those quick tips that really, I think help teachers. I, I always say crush it in the classroom because I really think that's what we're doing every single week when we walk into our buildings. Mm. Perfect. So well, let's make sure we go and follow Monica, Monica Genta ED on social media. Her, her Instagram story especially is super funny. 
Uh, <laughs> make sure you follow her Instagram story. Um, but yeah, gosh, great to connect again. I, I, you know, we've connected with a bunch of people and I feel like everybody we talked to were like, yeah, let's stay in touch. And then like two months go by and you, so we're doing the right. best we can. But, um, you know, to, to change up the final question that I asked you from the last time, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd love for you to, to, to finish up, finish this phrase. Monica okay. Denta in 10 years is. Monica Genta in 10 years is creating a meaningful impact and helping people live their best lives. Um, I think that whether that's students living their best lives or teachers living their best lives, like I really, really believe in the fact that like we have this unique opportunity as individuals to go out and help people find what they love, reestablish their purpose in their profession, and then just guide people along the way so that they are loving every single second of what this life has to offer. And so um, in 10 years, will that be with teachers or will that be with students or will that be with school districts? I don't know, but I am super passionate about helping people find their passion. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. 10 years. Oh, I'll be, perfect. oh my God, I'll be in my 40s. <laughs> so will I. <laughs> so will I. But uh, no, I'm super grateful again for connecting with you. And thank you for, uh, yeah. for, for coming back on the podcast. Like I told you, you got an open invitation. So all you got to do is text us and we'll, we'll find time for you. So. Sounds good. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much for having me.